The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. This message on my heart. I'm not going to take a ton of time, but I did want to encourage you. You know, I don't, I don't always get a chance to talk to you guys specifically about this idea of serving and what you do. Uh, many of you know this, but before I was, a, um, I was a pastor, I was a children's pastor. And every week I got up in front of all of our children's team and I shared with them something from the, the word of God and, and, and really wanted to encourage them and challenge them because here's the reality of serving in a church. Anytime you serve in a church, it's very easy to get caught up in uh, the, the, the reality of just like doing the job and the vision part of it begins to leak out. And over time, it just becomes, you, you get a little task oriented and, and that's, that's okay. But the problem is if all you're focusing on is the task, eventually the task is going to become burdensome to the point that you don't really feel it anymore. You're not really in it like you once were. And so it's important that we kind of come back to the vision, why we do this, because how is great, but why is so important to us doing what God's called us to do. Amen. You guys can talk tonight. You're, I'm expecting some talk back tonight. All right. So, so with that in mind, understand this. Um, I may be the, the senior pastor of New Song Church. Sarah's the co-pastor. David's our worship leader. Josh Ramon. We got all these different people doing different pastoral roles. But, but we understand like we're not the only ministers here at New Song Church. I think sometimes we, we, we buy into this idea that like there's certain people and they're doing the ministry and I'm just here kind of doing some of the work and you know, kind of doing my part. But, but I want you to know that, that we don't see it that way. And we don't see it that way because God doesn't see it that way. Everything that you guys are doing to serve the people of this church is ministry. It's ministry, and it's ministry to Jesus, and it's ministry to people. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 Peter uh, 2, verse 9. It says, but you, somebody turn to the person beside you and say he's talking to you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. How many of you know, how many of that's you? You've made Jesus the Lord of your life. I hope that you're, you've, made, you've done that. That's a good start to serving. You, may, you actually believe in this thing enough to commit. But you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. So now you, you are this. You're what this verse is saying. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's you. Now look at this. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Here, here's what this is saying. You, you're part of the family of God and there's something for you to do. And every one of you, listen, every one of you, what this verse is saying is every one of us are called to ministry. And so we're all ministers. I'm not the only minister. Sarah's not. We're all ministers. We all minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a massive part of this ministry is in serving. In fact, when you study uh, the New Testament, many times when it speaks to the idea of ministry, the word that's used for ministry is this, this Greek word diakonos, and it's interchangeable with the word serve. Let me show you a couple of instances of this. Uh, Ephesians 3, 7 says, I became a minister, Paul talking here, 
according to the gift of grace given to me by the effective working of his power. That word there, I became a minister, is this word diakonos. Now look at this, Jesus talking, Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, unto, but to minister, diakonos, and gave his life as a ransom for many. Some of you know it from another translation, ESV. It says it like this, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, diakonos. Notice, interchangeable, serving and ministry are interchangeable. Mark 10, 42. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that, you, that rulers in this world uh, lord over the people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant, diakonos. And, and whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to everyone else. That, that word diakonos, here's what it means. It means an attendant, a servant, an errand runner. And in the, the Greek tradition of the day, uh, it actually meant someone who is a table waiter who is always at the bidding of his customers. So understand this. If you're a part of the family of God, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have been called into ministry. That ministry is to serve and to serve like a, like a good waiter at a good restaurant serves the people that he's serving. So, so we've all experienced restaurants and service before. Has anybody not been to a restaurant before? Anybody in here? Very good. You have not been living in a, in a cave, so that's good. We've all been to restaurants before, and when you go to restaurants, typically the service that we experience falls into three categories. Uh, there's bad service, there's good service, and there's great service, right? And what do we normally remember? We normally remember the two on the ends. We remember bad service, and we remember great service. Like, you can probably remember times in your life where you were at a restaurant and you had a waiter and the service was just awful. The experience was awful. The food was awful. It was just, it was a bad deal. I remember there's one chain in particular that I've had a couple of bad encounters with. It's a place called Waffle House. <laughs> and I've had some seriously bad encounters with Waffle House. Uh, one time... Uh, years ago, when me and Sarah were, were uh, we'd been married a few years, we didn't have any kids yet, and we were just getting by, like we were, you know, scraping by, and uh, Sarah's always loved breakfast, and so it was a Saturday morning, I was like, hon, I'm taking you to breakfast, and there was a Waffle House not too far down the street, and I was like, let's go to Waffle House, and she's like, okay, you know, trying to walk in love, and so we go in, and you know, I, if you've ever been to Waffle House, somehow, no matter where you're at, the people that work there are Southern. They're just, uh, hey, you know, it's the Southern. So you walk in and she's like, hey, so, you know, go have a seat. So we go sit down. We're looking at these giant laminated menus. And as we're looking at them, I hear Sarah go, Josh. And I'm like, what? And I look down on the table and I kid you not, there is a loogie in the middle of our table. <laughs> Somebody hawked a loogie. Just spit it on the table. That was a good meal. <laughs> Bye. And they left. So needless to say, we were done. Put our, put our menus down, told, you know, Southern Sioux we were out and we was gone. And I was like, that's it. Never going back again. Well, I did. I went back again. We went to, a couple years ago. I was actually going to Dallas to, to go to a conference. It was me and Josh Romano. And it was after church. The conference started on Monday. So after church is over, we drove out there. And, and just typically, Sunday after preaching, I'm kind of done. Like, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. I just need to rest. It takes a lot out of me. But we, we drove to, 
you know, three and a half hours to get to Dallas. We got to our hotel, cowboys were playing, watched the game, and it was over. And we're in Dallas, you know, there's a lot of great food, but I didn't want to go very far. And so we were like, what's around us? Waffle House. <laughs> so I was like, dude, let's just do it, you know, we'll just do it. And so we go to Waffle House, <laughs> and man, it was wild. There was a guy and a girl that were the, like the servers in there and they were having a fight. Like, 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 I don't know if they were married and getting a divorce, but I'm telling you, it was so awkward and cringy. Like they're just yelling like hateful stuff to each other and then coming over and be like, what do you want, hon? And you're like, I want you to stop this. I want you to go. I want to leave. Can I leave? So listen, I'm done with Waffle House. All right, never again, inner vow, made. I'm, and I'm free with it, I'm free with it, but I'm never going back. So we remember, you probably can remember bad experiences that you've had at restaurants, it's pretty memorable. We, we don't so much remember the good service that we have, but, we ha- and, and, but most of the time that's what we have. Like most of the restaurants you go to, it's good, you know, it's okay, it's kind of mats, you know, down the, you're not, you don't hate it, you don't love it, but it was, it was okay, so you go and, you might go back, but it wasn't just amazing. But then there's those great like times. We go and experience like great service, great restaurants, where like you walk away, and most of the time, here's what I've discovered. I always, I always feel like I've paid a lot, <laughs> but I always feel like I've been given a gift. Like that's how I feel about like a great restaurant. I walk away going, man, I got the better end of the deal. Like that was really incredible. Um, this, this last fall, me and Sarah went to Charleston, South Carolina. And when we travel, like vacation, hang out together, we always like to go look ahead and see what's, what's in the city and specifically what restaurants are there, like what's the best restaurants. And so uh, we, we discovered all these different restaurants we were going to go to, one of which was this place called Hall's, Hall's Chop House. It's number 14 uh, on this list of the best restaurants in America. And so, which no, no, it's in the top 20. Actually, number 14. You know what number 14 is? In America, it's Cafe Cacao here in Oklahoma City. And if you've never, have anybody, you not been to Cafe Cacao? You guys need to get saved again. It happens. Like, I'm telling you, they have the best French, to- I'm convinced the French toast, and I'm not a French toast guy, but I'm telling you, the French toast will be a course at the marriage supper of the lamb in heaven. It's ridiculously good. So Cafe Cacao, check it out. Uh, but this place was, was in that, that top 20, and it was amazing. Like, the service was amazing. The waiters just, like, you know, they, they, they're very helpful, trying to help you pick out, like, because ste- like, ordering a steak is, like, scientific there. But they're very helpful, but not, like, overly bearing, you know? And, but, and, and then, like, just the restaurant is, like, this second floor we're on, and, and the food was so good, like, this... I had this French onion soup, which I don't normally get, but I got it and it was like sweet and buttery and it had this like cheese crust over the top of it and this cream corn that was like crunchy and sweet. And then my steak was cooked perfectly and the bread, like the bread, like you have bread and you, you, it, it makes you like question everything. You know what I mean? It's like this bread, you're like going, why? I've ne- I don't think I've ever had bread. Why don't we have bread, hon? Why don't we have bread at home? You ever think about like you have bread and you're like, why doesn't this ever happen at home? But it was amazing. And like walk away, like feeling like we've received a gift. Now, now here's the thing I was thinking about this week. There's a lot of restaurants we go to 
that I go to where I can get a steak. But something's, there's something different about certain places. Like there's a big difference between the Golden Corral <laughs> and, and places like, like Hall's Chop House. Like there's a big difference. But when you think about it, in a way, they're both serving the same thing. Like you say, no, they're not, Pastor Josh. <laughs> but really they are. Here, here's the difference. The difference is in the values. The difference is in the values. Here's, here's what the really, any great restaurant I've ever been to or I've experienced really great service, here's what they value. They value their product and they value the people that they're serving their product to. And because they value their product and the people, they want to do everything they can to present the product they believe in and value to the people that they value and care about. And so they work hard and they get into the details and they pay a lot of attention to the details because they want to do the best possible job of presenting this product to people. Now, for the sake of illustration, hear me out, okay? If you think about it, in, in Oklahoma City, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of churches all over America that are under this banner of Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and so in a way, we're kind of serving the same product. Now, hear me, do not... I'm not saying that God is a product. I'm not saying that we're salesmen of God, okay? So don't send me an email, like, calm down. <laughs> For the, I'm just trying to illustrate something. That, that what's, what's the difference between these churches and what separates, like, the bad from the good to the great is in the value system. How we value this Jesus that we're presenting and how we value the people that we're presenting this Jesus to. And if we really value the people that we're presenting Jesus to in a way that would honor Jesus, because you know, something God's been stirring in me lately is this idea of how important love is to what we do in, in serving. In fact, I'm going to share this with our staff soon, but it's interesting when you read in the, the New Testament, it talks about spiritual gifts and desiring spiritual gifts. It starts off by talking about pursue love. Instead of pursuing, like just wanting to see these incredible manifestations of God, you start with love. It starts with love. Having a heart to love people. Something I've really been trying to work on myself lately is, is just reminding myself, I do this out of love. Like, I love you guys. I love the church. I love this weekend. I'm, I'm down here worshiping God. And I'm saying, Lord, I love these people. Help me, help me show them the love of God today. Help, them, help me to show them what the love of Jesus looks like today. We got to center ourselves on that. Keep reminding ourselves of that because it's the, it's the center of everything we do. We value, we value this incredible Jesus that we get to serve. And because we value him, we value what he values. And the cross tells us Jesus values people. And since we value Jesus, we value his people. And so because of that, we're going to be intentional with how we serve people because ministry is one of the great ways we get to express this love to people in serving them. You know, when you go to a place like Halls, it's, it's interesting because there's so much that makes up that great experience. So many people, some are seen and some are never seen. For example, there's a, there's a rancher who prepares the cows. There's a butcher who prepares the cuts of meat. There's a chef who prepares the actual meal. There are waiters and, and waitresses that bring out the food and, and, and take care of the people. There's hostesses that help you feel welcome and take you to the place you need to be. There's valets that park your car. There's custodians that clean up the place. And all of this is helpful in helping people have the best possible experience with the product they value, with the people they value. You, you tracking with me? So 
So as the people of God who value Jesus greatly, we have to value his people greatly. And we have to value serving them and doing everything we can to serve them in the best possible way. Okay, so, so three truths I want to leave you with tonight that we need to remind ourselves of as we serve the people here in the church in whatever area we serve them in. Number one is this. When we serve, we serve Jesus. When we serve, we serve Jesus. Matthew 25, 40 says it like this. Whatever you did, this is Jesus talking. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That word least there means the smallest in size, in importance, in rank, in estimation of men. There's a lot of people that come through these doors that are small in size. A lot of the world would tell them they're small in importance. Maybe they're small in rank. Maybe they're small in estimation of other people. But what we do for them is ministry to Jesus. When we serve them, we're serving Jesus. Jesus says how you serve them, how you serve the, the people that seem unimportant, the, the unimportant tasks, that's how we serve Jesus. We, we have a saying here, you guys hear it all the time. We invite people down for prayer and we say, if it, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And in a way, it, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's an idea that centers you on yourself and that God cares about you. But, but let me add something to that. If they matter to God, they should matter to you. And let me just tell you, they matter to God. The transgender person matters to God. The littlest baby in the nursery matters to God. Now, when I say that, we're not saying like we're going to pursue keeping things holy and helping people understand sin is sin and we're going to be truthful with that. But we're going to love people to that. We're going to do our best to love them and help them. So if they matter to God, they should matter to us. When we serve people, we serve Jesus. How you serve in the church. I, I used to tell my kids team all the time, our, our great desire is this, that, that the kids we serve when we're working in children's ministry, and this applies to all of you, what we're really trying to pursue is this idea that when they see you, they see Jesus. And when you look at them, you see Jesus. So that leads us to point number two, which is when we serve, we serve Jesus. Wait, didn't you just say that for point one? I did. But here's the difference. When we serve one, when we serve, we serve Jesus. We're serving Jesus in our service. Ultimately, it's him that we're wanting to hear well done from. Here's the second thing. When we serve, what we serve is Jesus. The goal is that they would look beyond you they would look beyond the message preached. They would look beyond the songs sung. They would look beyond all that. And what they would actually have an encounter with is Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the perfect love and Messiah who died and made a way for them. So we serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. We serve mercy. We serve grace. We serve forgiveness. We serve healing. We serve. This is, this is what we serve to other people. Now look at how you do this. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the goal is that through these works that we're doing, the way we serve, that we serve in such a way that people see God through our service. Like, isn't that awesome that we get to do that? Like, we, we don't always think of it that way, but like you in kids' classes, you get down on the floor and playing with that little kid, you're, you're bringing them to an encounter with Jesus. 
out there in the parking lot, when we're, you know, helping people park their car, like you're making a way for them to see God and have an encounter with Jesus. When we serve, we serve Jesus. Here's number three. When we serve, we serve like Jesus. It's that whole practicing the way thing we've been talking about. And I want to, I want to uh, kind of point you to this verse, John, or this story in John chapter 13. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. He's not very far away from, from getting, going to the cross. In verse 3, it says this. Notice this first part. We'll come back to it, but notice this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took his outer clothing off, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After, he, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Guys, I'm going to skip down to verse 14. It says, now that, this is Jesus talking, he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Jesus in this moment models an incredible image of what serving actually looks like. So let me just kind of point you to out a few things here. First of all, understand this. These guys that he's washing their feet are the disciples. They're his followers, but they're far from perfect. Like we all know that, right? They're always messing up, always making mistakes. The part I left out of this is where Peter is messing up in this moment. Jesus, okay, wash all of me then, Jesus. No, you don't need a bath. I just, it's crazy. I love Peter though. Because he had a heart for God. He wanted to serve God. But these guys are always messing up. In fact, these guys in just a few hours are going to abandon Jesus. One of them is Judas. He's, he's already betraying Jesus. Jesus washes his feet and he's already began the process of betraying him. And so Jesus looks at these guys, these frail, imperfect people that have problems, and it says that he got up. He got up. Why did he get up? Because no one else did. See, there was a need in the room. There was a need for the, these guys to have their feet washed. Understand this, like in, in the Hebrew culture of the day, when you sat down to eat, you weren't sitting at a table like where you could, you know, put your feet under the table and kind of kick your legs like that. That wasn't how you ate. You ate actually sitting on the floor like this at this table that was down on the ground. So your feet were here, bare feet, and then your, the other dude's feet are right here, and then your food's right here. So feet. Now, now let me remind you that this is in the day and age when these are sandal-wearing disciples and the streets aren't paved. So their, their sweaty feet are getting on those feet, all the stuff that's on the unpaved streets that they're walking on. Which, what's on those unpaved streets? Well, how do they, how do they move stuff around? What's the main means of transportation? Animals. So there's urine, there's manure, there's dirt, there's all sorts of nasty stuff on these guys' feet. So this was, it was known. You come in for this kind of dinner, somebody's got to wash some feet. Typically, it was the lowest servant. The, the lowest in rank servant was the person who washed feet. So Jesus is in this room. There's an obvious need, but no one is filling it. Why? Pride. They thought of themselves more highly than they ought. And what's so amazing is what it says about Jesus. 
Look at what it says back to the beginning. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things. Somebody say all things. All things things under his power that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus is the most powerful human being on the planet. If anyone has the, the right to go, somebody get over and wash my feet. It's Jesus. But that's not what he does. From that place of power and authority and recognition of power and authority, what does he do? He got up to serve the need, the obvious need. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He took off his outer robe. That was, his outer robe was this rabbinical covering. It was a symbol of his authority. He takes that off, takes off this symbol of earthly authority, and he wraps himself in a symbol of servanthood. And he begins washing the dirty disciples' feet, digging in between their toes, getting all the muck and the gunk out, washing their feet, displaying an incredible picture of what true servanthood actually looks like. In fact, Paul says this about Jesus in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each other's interests. In your, in your relationships with one another, one anothering with one another, right? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Look at this. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death at the cross. Jesus was a servant, and we are his people. We are his disciples, right? Practicing the way. And so our, our heart and our desire should be to serve in the same nature that our Lord and Savior served. Jesus served. Uh, this, this washing feet is an incredible example, but the greater example is the cross, where he served us in our greatest need. He did what no one else could do. And so listen, I, I, by no means am I trying to preach to you and tell you, you guys stink at this. Like, no, you guys are getting it done. Like, I am so, like, I want you to know you're getting it done. I love you. Thank you for what you're doing. But I also, I do want to challenge you a little bit in, in, with this question. Are you serving with your all? Like, is it your all or are you just kind of doing it because you're getting it done and it needs to get done? But are you, are you seeing the needs and fulfilling the needs? Are you going above and beyond? Are you, serving, are you serving like you would serve Jesus as you do your task? And if not, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just saying, hey, let's step it up. Let's all of us step it up. Because I believe what the word says, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But I also believe this, that I believe God has an incredible harvest for this church. But in order for us to receive of the harvest, we got to sure up the nets. Because what I don't want is people coming here and falling through the cracks because we're not doing it as best we can. Because we value our great Lord and Savior. We value his people and we value the job of servanthood that he's given to us. So let me give you some quick like 10 quick little things here to keep in mind as you serve, okay? Because we serve Jesus. We serve Jesus. He is who we serve. We serve Jesus. He is what we serve. We serve like Jesus. Because we're, we're doing that, 10 quick things. Number one, we arrive on time. 
Because I, I doubt if you were showing up to a meeting, Jesus says, hey, would you show up over here at Starbucks at 3? He wouldn't go to Starbucks. But he was, he'd probably go, I don't know where he'd go. He'd go, he'd go get something, a cold drink, like a water. Anyway, I'm digressing here. I don't, know, I don't even know if I'm doing that. But if, if he said, hey, meet me over here at this, at this time, I bet you're going to show up on time. I don't know about you. I'm going to show up early. So is that, is that, are you doing that? Well, I, I can't answer that. You answer that. Here's number two. I wear a smile because we serve Jesus. We got to wear a smile. Number three, I'm going to clean it up if it's dirty and I'm going to pick it up because it's Jesus's. So like, here's the mindset. If I go in the bathroom and there's water on the counter, I'm not going to go, oh, well, somebody will get to that. I'm going to get to that. If the trash is overflowing, I'm going to push it down and then wash my hands. If there's trash in the parking lot, I'm going to pick it up because it's Jesus's. And I don't want anything to get in the way of people seeing Jesus. He is someone I value and he values people. So I'm going to value what he values. Number four, I'm going to help people get answers they're looking for. Like I'm not going to just try to pass the buck. I'm going to say, somebody asked me a question. You know what? Let me help you with that. I'm going to walk them over to the person I know, or I'm going to follow up with them, let them get them the information that they need, follow up with them the best I can. Number five, here's a good one. I'm not going to get caught up in conversations and neglect my assignment. Listen, I, I get it. Serving, like we want you to be in the serving community. We consider it that. We want you to have relationship with the people you're serving with, but we don't want you to get so caught up in the relationships that you miss out on the people we're called to serve. We have to pay attention. We have to be aware. Stay in the moment. Number six, I'm going to pray for people on the spot if they say they need prayer. I'm not going to say, hey, I'll pray for you, and then I never do. Somebody comes up to me and says, I need prayer. I'm having a pain in them. My, my neck, let me pray for you. I lay my hands on them right there. Pray for them. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to follow up later. I'm going to add them to my prayer list for the week. And I am going to pray for them. And the next time I see them, I'm going to let them know, hey, I've been praying for you all week. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Because I value Jesus. I value his people. Number seven, I'm going to believe the best about people. Instead of assuming the worst, I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to let them prove me wrong. But I'm going to believe the best. Because Jesus could look to me and he could look past my sin and believe the best about me. I value Jesus, so I value people. So that's what I'm going to do. Number eight, I'm going to be excited. Listen, we get to do the work of Jesus. We get to bring people into eternal life. That should be an exciting idea. Like we're pulling people out of hell. Step, helping them to step into eternal, eternal life with Jesus. That's exciting to me. If you ain't excited, pinch yourself. Let's go. Number nine, I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm not just going to do as little as I can to get by. I'm serving Jesus, right? We serve Jesus, so I'm going to give it all I've got. Because that's what God did for me. That's what grace is. The grace of God is not that just someday we get to go to heaven. The grace of God is that we get to have heaven on earth. He went the extra mile. He didn't just die as we go to heaven. He died so you could experience heaven. Uh, number 10, I'm going to expect that God is going to add his super to our natural and miracles are going to happen. All of this ninth stuff, it sets the table so Jesus can do 
what only he can do. When we walk in love like this, it empowers God to come alongside, move in people's life, bring freedom to people. So here's what we see here. Jesus saw a need and he was willing to say, I'll get up and I'll fill it. And there's a lot of needs in our world right now, aren't there? There are people that come through these doors and they got needs. I used to tell our, our kids team this all the time too. I'm giving you guys some of my old kids team stuff. because I, But I tell them this, you know, those people, that, those little kids that come in, you don't know what they're dealing with. It was amazing. I, I was in Frisco, Texas, very, one of the most affluent cities in America. And we get down on our knee to pray with some of these kids sometimes. And they tell us stuff and you're going, wow, I would have never known you were dealing with that. People are dealing with stuff. And they need Jesus. There's a need. And we get to fill that need. We get to be the people who get up and who can be great for our great God. I don't want to be a, obviously I don't want to be a bad church. I don't want to be a good church either. I want to be a great church. I want to be a church. Yeah, come on. I want to be a church that people wake up in the morning and they cannot wait. They are throwing their clothes on as quick as they can. It's Sunday. It's new song day. I can't wait to get here. That's the kind of church. And listen, we do this together. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. Lord, I, I thank you for our church. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for all these people that are here that make up this body. God, so many people that do such incredible work for you. Lord, we're, I'm so grateful. I'm honored and humbled. I remember early on when we didn't even have this many people at the church. For a long time, we didn't have this many people at the church, Lord. But then you've made such an incredible way for us to bring all these people into this family. And Lord, thank you for what we've been able to accomplish. But we know, we do, we believe it. Our best days are our next days. And it's by your grace that we're saved. And if, if not for you, Lord, we don't know where we'd be. But because of you, we're here and we've, you've done so much for us. And Lord, we just want to present you in the best possible light we can. So Lord, if we've slacked in our service, God, we repent, we say, forgive us. And we choose to honor you and to give everything we have from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. So good. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Aren't you glad he's back? I want to share for just like three minutes and then a liturgy because I got a good liturgy for serving. Um, something that I was talking with my core group about before Josh heard us back was my confession was that I was just dealing with resentment and serving, not in the church. And that's what was bothering me is like, oh, I love coming to church and serving the church and writing messages and this is great. But like the packing lunches and the waiting in car rider line and cleaning up stuff at home, just, you know, taking care of the house. I'm doing it, getting it done, but like have this bad attitude about it, this resentment and serving. And so the Lord's been uh, just dealing with me with that. And right Right after I confessed that I was dealing with this, then Josh hurts his back, and then it's like two weeks where you're doing everything by yourself. <laughs> like, okay, a time to get stretched. And it was so good because I wasn't, I didn't nail it. <laughs> there were times when I was just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm exhausted. Um, but I, uh, I, 
I, I, I, one, one night in particular, I was just over it, over him not being able to help, over him not like getting better. Um, my kids are big. They're not, I mean, it's not that hard to take care of my kids, but it just was kind of having a little pity party. But um, the next day in my, this is why it's so important to be in the word every day. Uh, but the next day I got up and got in the word and it's talking about how Jesus had been ministering all day, all day. And he goes back to the house and it's nighttime and people come and they want him to minister and he just gets up and serves and he does it with a happy heart. People are healed. People are set free. Um, and it just ministered to me like if Jesus, this is, I'm, I'm, I want to practice the way of Jesus. And this is the way of Jesus to serve and to do so without resentment. And we see in the story of the prodigal son uh, that the prodigal son's brother stayed and he uh, was faithful and loyal to his dad, but he did it with a spirit of resentment. He, he, he was doing the right things, which we can do in serving. I've been there before in church or in your homes where you're serving and you're doing it and you're showing up, but you're doing it all with this attitude of resentment. Uh, Ronald Rollheiser says, all too often we nurse resentment, even as we do all the right things. That leaves us outside of the house, hearing music, but unable to dance and bitter about life's unfairness. And I want to share with you, we're in this series, Dying Words, right? I want to read you like about to, some of Jesus's about to be dying words, right? He's not on the cross yet, but he's about to be. We should do that series, about to be dying words. He says to Pilate, uh, Pilate says to him, I can save your life or I can take it. Jesus responds, nobody takes my life from me. I give it up freely. I give it up freely. This translates to, you can't take from me by force what I have already freely given out of love. This is Jesus. This is how we serve. This is how we practice the way of Jesus and, and serving. This is how we go from good to great. It's we give and we give it freely. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do this and you owe me and I, I'm going to do this and you better notice me and you better compliment me and, and you better give me volunteer of the year, whatever that looks like. I give this and I give it freely. Uh, it says we become life-giving adults. How many want to be a life-giving adult? That sounds good, right? I want to be a life-giving adult. We become life-giving adults and our love becomes free of manipulation only when we can say this and mean it. Nobody takes my love and service from me. I give it over freely. Here's the thing. The world is not divided up between those who are burdened by duty and those who are free of it. Everybody has duty. Everybody has tasks that they have to do. Everybody has people they have to serve, whether it's your kids, whether it's elderly parents, whether it's people in your office, whether it's serving here at the church. We all have duty that we have to take. I mean, unless you're just an extremely selfish person, you're living off in the woods by yourself. We all have people that we have to take care of and look after responsibilities and duties. Anyone who is sensitive and good uh, anyone who is sensitive and good is burdened by duty, right? Just regular, decent human being, not even followers of Jesus. If you're just a kind of a nice person, you're burdened by duty. Rather, the world is divided up between those who are burdened with duty and resentful about it. That's the deciding factor. Everybody has responsibilities. Everybody has things that they have to do. All of you have things you have to do on your serve teams. 
And everybody else on your serve team has those same things to do, right? We all have duty, but the difference is the dividing line is uh, not who has stuff to do and who doesn't, but who has burdens uh, and are happy to do it and who has burdens and who are resentful to do it. Those who are burdened with duty and are not resentful about it. In the face of bitter duty, Jesus, he took his life and his love and he made them a free gift. We don't wanna be like the older brother doing all the right things showing up and serving, showing up on Serve Saturday, holding those babies, whatever. We don't want to just show up and, and because it's what we do. It's because we, what we think we're supposed to do so we can check that box. We want to show up and serve and do it like Jesus. Nobody's taking this time from me. Nobody's taking my service. Nobody's taking my Saturday night. Nobody's taking my Sunday morning. I'm giving this freely to honor Jesus and to practice the way of Jesus. So I really want to encourage you to think that way as you serve, that you're giving this freely. It's a gift. You give it out of love and you give it like Jesus. And now I want to read you my, or pray over this, this, this liturgy for you as we close out. All right, bow your heads, close your eyes, and just kind of receive, or uh, put your hands out in front of you. We're gathered here because we believe that we're called together into a work we cannot yet know the fullness of. Still, we trust the voice of the one who has called us. And so we offer to you, oh God, these things, our dreams, our plans, our vision, shape them as you will, our moments and our gifts. May they be invested toward bright, eternal things. Richly bless the work before us, Father. Shepherd us well, lest we grow enamored of our own accomplishment or entrenched in old habit. Instead, let us listen for your voice, our hearts ever open to the quiet beckonings of your spirit in this endeavor. Let us in true humility and poverty of spirit remain ever ready to move at the impulse of your love and paths of your design. You alone, O God, by your gracious and life-giving spirit, have power to knit our imperfect hearts, our weakness, our strengths, our stories, our gifts, one to another. Unite your people. Unite these people here tonight, God. Unite your people. Multiply our meager offerings, O Lord, that all might resound to your glory. May our acts of service and creation, frail and wanting as they are, be met and multiplied by the mysterious workings of your spirit who weaves all things together toward a redemption more good and glorious than we have yet eyes to see or courage to hope for. May our love and our labors now echo your love and your labors, O Lord. Let all that we do here in these, our brief lives, in this, our brief moment to love, in this, the work you have ordained for this community, flower and a beautiful foretaste of greater glories yet to come. O Spirit of God, shape our hearts. O Spirit of God, guide our hands. O Spirit of God, now build your kingdom among us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. What was that? Oh, Easter, yes. If you haven't already connected with your team leads, make sure that you are signed up to serve on Easter. Um, and if you can pick up an extra service, 
to serve, uh, adding, we're adding two services, two on Saturday night, three on Sunday. And so be sure that you're signed up to serve all hands on deck and make sure that you are inviting. Like Pastor Josh said, we would love, I know many of you work during the day, but if you have a job that allows you to break for lunch and come up here and be with us, we are praying. We are interceding over Easter and we really are. Last Wednesday, we prayed uh, a scripture out of Job that says, I've seen you before, or I've heard of you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes and I sit in my ashes and I repent. And that's what we're believing God for on Easter, that people who have heard of him, you know, they know it's, it's, it's Oklahoma City, it's Edmond. They've heard of him. They've been to church on Easter. I mean, there's probably very few people that are walking in and just going, I've never been to church. I've never heard of Jesus before. They've heard of him, but we're believing that they're going to walk away saying, I've heard of him, but now I've seen him with my own eyes in such a way that it's so drastic that now I'm sitting in my, in the ashes. I'm repenting. Like there's, it calls for a drastic life change. That's what we're believing for on Easter. So we would love for you, even if you can't be here on Wednesday to pray, would you fast and pray at your work and, and really believe God for us? This is the core of New Song right here. This is the heartbeat of New Song. And so we want you guys to know that we want you with us. We want you praying with us and our staff over this Easter weekend. We really do believe that people's lives are going to be transformed. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I think we're dismissed. We have Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.